Jesus Christ came, he came bringing the kingdom of God, which is a new reality, but he also came to bring life. And what we're studying is life in the kingdom of God. And last week, Pastor David began this new series as we were seeking to understand the plan of the kingdom of God in the gospels. And, and those of you who've been here, you know, we studied the Old Testament and we were looking to the promises that, that Jesus was going to fulfill. Well, well now we're, we're in the gospels and what we see in the gospels, we see the promises kept by the king who came. Jesus is the king of kings and, and he has kept these promises and he is keeping them. And what they tell us is that there is a plan for the kingdom of God. God is fulfilling his will. God is active in the world. And the things that were promised in the Old Testament are being and will fully and finally be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And in our text today, we're going to see how the coming of Christ fulfilled this promise. This very important promise we find in Ezekiel chapter 11. I'll put it on the screen for you in verse 19. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. This great mystery was, was not understood until Jesus, the seed of the gospel, came. And now that he has come, there, there's now this new life. And it's a life that grows and it works from the inside out. And that's what the gospel does. It's going to be a refrain, a refrain that you're going to hear over and over this morning. And that is this, the gospel transforms a life from the inside out. Submitting to Jesus and having the life of the kingdom of God in you, it works from the inside out. And that is very different than religion or moral training, moral teaching, morality. There is a significant difference between life in the kingdom of God in Christ and moral life or religious life. And, and what we see in our text today is Jesus explaining the difference. These are parables that are found in Matthew 13. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, go ahead and turn there to Matthew 13. And what you'll see in these parables is, is Jesus teaching something that was very confusing, to his original hearers and very frustrating to many of them. And my, my prayer today is that, is that I am going to, to be able to minimize some of the frustration and clarify some of the confusion of what, what Jesus was teaching here. There are secrets here. And that's, what, that's exactly what, what Jesus says about this teaching in particular. And so I'm going to ask Cora to come and read that. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. And uh, Cora's going to read for us uh, Jesus explaining what's going on with these parables we're in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10 and 11. Cora, go ahead and read that, sweet girl. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secret of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Corey. You all may be seated. Pray now for the preaching of God's word. You know, secrets are, are powerful things. And, and our world is filled with secrets. I mean, you think about internationally, how many countries have spies where they want to go in and find out the technologies and the systems that's, that are creating success for another nation. Or financially, how there are businesses that are seeing products and, and procedures that are producing profit. And so they, they want to go in and they want to figure out what are their secrets? How do they do it? Or 
or, or even relationally, uh, we, we see a whole industry of people who are making a lot of money who are saying, I've got the secrets to relationship. I've got the secrets to health. If you'll eat these foods, if you'll do these things, then, then, then everything's going to, to, to work out. And there's this, this claim of secrets. And, and Jesus is saying here that these parables are teaching the secrets of the kingdom of God. Now, now, some take that to mean that Jesus doesn't, doesn't want uh, people to, to know what these secrets are. And that's not true at all. What, what Jesus is, is doing is he's explaining the problem as to why people don't receive these truths. Again, verse 13, look what Jesus says here. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing, they can see it. Many of you here today, you can see what these words say. But you don't see. Seeing they do not see. And hearing, you're hearing the words that are coming out of my mouth. But you don't hear. Hearing, but, but do not hear. Nor do they understand. So again, anyone, anyone can get these truths. These secrets are not tricky. They're not beyond comprehension. So, so why don't they get them? Because they don't want them. The, the, the reason why this, these secrets are, are not received and sought is because people don't want them. In our day and in Jesus' day, you know, many people wanted miracles and free stuff. They, they wanted Jesus to make everyone healthy and wealthy. Have you ever wondered why there were thousands and thousands that would show up for free food, but then they wouldn't, they wouldn't come back and they, they wouldn't continue on in the teaching of Jesus? Why was it when Jesus healed 10 lepers that only one came back and was grateful? Here's why. Because many people want the blessings of Jesus, but not Jesus. They want God's stuff, but not the life of God. They wanted stuff from the outside out. Uh, some wanted power. They wanted Jesus to take Rome down. And so there were these zealots who, who were anticipating the Messiah would come and that they would get political power. Now they would be able to call the shots. And, and, and we see that so much in our day today, who, those who want to make Christianity a voting block, who, who want to say, oh yeah, yeah, these people, we got to have them. We got to placate to them because we need this power. We need to, we need to make them think that, that we're all about them and we got to get them to hate the other people. And it's all about power. It's working from the outside out. That is not the way of, of Jesus. And then there's those who wanted cultural conformity. I mean, you, you guys remember in, in John 3 when Nicodemus showed up to Jesus at night and said, Jesus, look, man, we're on the same team. We, we want the same thing. We want everyone to behave. We want everyone to conform to what we elites tell them they ought to be living like. And boy, don't we live in a world today where the elites are trying to take over and tell us the way we're supposed to function and the way we're supposed to act and, and, and trying to control. How is that working? It's working from the outside out. That is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is to work from the inside out. Life in the kingdom of God works from the inside out. You know, I, I came to realize that, that that whole kind of concept and, and, and what it can mean. When, when I was in second grade, I realized that I was more than a smart aleck. I actually understood that I was actually pretty smart. Um, as a smart aleck, I, I had found uh, myself on the ends of, of many paddles and spent some time in, in principal's offices. And um, I'll never forget Miss Brown's Board of Education. I, I, I met it well, often. Um, and so my, my reputation must have preceded me because my second grade teacher, the first week of school, was, was very mean to me and called me a clown. And so I thought, well, you ain't seen nothing yet, mister. I, I'm not sure why, but within a week or two, that guy re retired. I, I don't know if, uh, if it was all me, but I think it could, I, I had to have helped. But the, the wildest thing happened. We, we got a, a lovely lady named Miss Peacock. 
And she was our interim teacher while they were getting a permanent replacement. And I wanted to please her. I wanted her to tell me that, that I had done well. And, and no matter what it was, I, I didn't really care about what we were doing. I just wanted to please Ms. Peacock. And so at Thanksgiving, we had an assignment where we were supposed to write what Thanksgiving means. And so I went home. It was to be a one-page paper. I went home and I found our family's encyclopedia. Young people, Google that. It's a book. It's, it's, it's fascinating the way we used to do things. And, and I, I wrote word for word what was in the encyclopedia. And once I got down to a full page, even though it was mid-sentence, I just stopped writing because it was one page. I did the assignment. I checked the box. I did what I was told. So I went to school this morning, very proud, turned it to Miss Peacock, and she read it. She goes, oh, no, this won't do. And I thought, oh, no, I've messed up. Miss Peacock's going to not like. She said, no, you got to finish this sentence. I said, oh, I can do that. So I went and found the encyclopedia in our class. But the problem was it wasn't the same one that we had at our home. So I couldn't finish the sentence. Now, I hadn't heard of this concept of plagiarism before. And so I, I did not know that it was a deal. And so I went and I explained to Miss Peacock what I'd done. She said, no, you can't do that. No, 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 no. She said, you must read the material and it must get down in your mind. And then you have to allow that material to come out of you. You've got to write what it really means. Otherwise, you're just copying what someone else has said. What religion does and, and what religious people do is they just copy down what people tell them to believe. They just check the box. They just say, oh, you want me to act this way? Okay, I'll act this way. Oh, you want me to go to church and behave and that'll get my phone paid for? Okay, mom and dad, I'll go and I'll pretend that this matters and I'll smile and I'll mostly stay awake and, and I'll, I'll do, it's religion. And how does it work? It works from the outside out. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus works from the inside out. That life comes in us, that truth comes in us, changes who we are, and then it is lived out. And, and that's, that's part of the secrets of what Jesus is trying to teach here in, in Matthew 13. And so this morning, I, and I want to go ahead and tell you, there are way more secrets than what I, I'm going to reveal to you today. I would encourage you to get a study Bible and this week spend some time in Matthew 13. Because there are some wonderful secrets in there that can easily be understood and applied and bring a great blessing to your own soul. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to show you three. Three that I find the most compelling and the most important. So three secrets of the plan are number one. And number one, to me, it's number one. The power is the seed. The power is the seed. You look in verse three, there at the end, as he's beginning to tell the parable, says a sower went out to sow and he sowed some seeds fell. And so you think about seeds versus let's say bricks. I mean, seeds, seeds are, are seemingly weak and insignificant things. You know, if you see a brick, you're thinking this is strong. This is dangerous. This is, this is much more powerful than this. But can I tell you that it's not? A, a, a seed has the, uh, the power of life within it. A, a seed has the power to multiply after it matures. Now, bricks are strong. I mean, don't get me wrong. Bricks are strong. But, but seeds, there's something about them. There's no, there's no life in a brick. There is, there's life in, in a seed. And the word, uh, the gospel of the kingdom is described by Jesus as a seed in this parable. And this designation is important. It's significant. And here's why. Because... The word, the seed, the gospel is 
Jesus. The seed is Jesus. And what Jesus has done and who Jesus is and what he's doing now is significant because it it transforms and it changes a life. Remember what Jesus said about his life and his death and his burial? This is John 12, 24. I put it on the screen for you. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What is he saying there? He said, I'm the seed and I'm going to die. But I'm going to then produce a whole new life. And this life will be a life that, that any can receive. It's a life that, that they can have. Now, this is how the seed, the word of the gospel works. It, it comes and it lives in us and it changes who we are. In this parable, the seed, the seed is the truth of who Jesus is, of what Jesus has done, of what Jesus is now doing. So who is Jesus? Well, in his own words, Jesus is God. He's the word made flesh. This is John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Jump down to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. From eternity past, God has always existed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what we have in Christ Jesus is the manifestation of God in time and space. And he came and he gave his life as the atoning sacrifice so that we could be saved. That's what Jesus has done. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who we appointed the heir of all things, through whom, we, he, uh, whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint. That's the word icon. He's the iconic. He is the the actual manifestation of the presence and the power and the being of God. The exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is now the Savior who has defeated sin and death. And he is alive. And what is he doing? Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. He now saves and he serves those who trust in him as the mediator between us and and the Father. And, And so he's praying for us. He's empowering us. He's loving us. And when Jesus gets into a person's life, he transforms that life. You think about, if if I go out and plant this brick out in the church property, Even if I water it and fertilize it, in six months, we will not have more bricks, will we? There's no life in this. What do you do with bricks? You create a facade. You, you, You build an edifice. And that's what religion is. Religion is is something you build on the outside. It works from the outside out. You build a facade. You build an image. It may be in social media. It may be amongst your neighbors. And here's what you're proclaiming. Look how good I am. I'm a nice person. I'm a trustworthy person. Look, I go to church. Look, I'm I'm checking the boxes. I I can write out the scripture verses. I can tell you all the stuff. I've got it. It's not in you. It's just working from the outside out. There's no power in it. A seed. A seed is different. When you plant that seed, it, it creates new life. And that new life, it grows into something beautiful. See, this is what Christ has come to do. 
He's come to give his life and his life to live in us and that life to be cultivated and to grow. The power is in the seed. And that's why I love Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so those of us who repent and believe the gospel, who repent and believe Jesus, we have new life. And how does that work? It says in Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and this is important and I underlined it, and believe in your heart, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's why the second, the second secret is so important. The second secret is this. Number two, the heart is the issue. The heart, not the behavior, is the issue. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people who haven't been church in a while. Oh, pastor, I know we need to get back into church. Oh, pastor, I, I know we need, to, we need to be doing this and that. And that very well may be true. But what I want to say to them, friends, your problem is, is not what you think your problem is. Your problem is not your behavior. Your problem is your heart. Because... The heart is the issue. Go with me to verse four. Let's look at this, at what Jesus is, is trying to, to reveal here. As he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they, they did not have much soil and immediately they, they sprang up since they had no, no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. I want you to understand, what is described in this parable is the truth of every person in this room. You have one of these hearts. One of these four soils describes the condition of your heart and the heart of every person that you know. I want to encourage you to go back and, and, and read this and read 18 through 23. But with this lens, with, with this filter, understanding that this describes you. One of these four describes you. And, and so it, it, there's four soils. Now, some have a heart that will not receive this truth. So some of you are sitting here right now. You're going to church, check the box, but you're, you're struggling to stay awake. Why? Because this does not matter to you. This is not important to you. This seed is falling on, on, on hard ground because your heart is not tender toward it. You don't care. And listen, I've been there. I know what it's like. I went to church to get a date. Not Jesus. You've heard the story. I played as, played as much tic-tac-toe and aggravated everybody around me because I didn't care. I didn't want the seed. That's why I was there to look religious. And that's, that's what some of you are here today to do. You're checking off the box. You went to church. You did the thing. The truth is not getting into your heart. You don't care. Your heart is hard. Then there's some that have a rocky heart that does not have room for this truth. See, your heart is filled with anxiety. Your heart is filled with unforgiveness. Your heart is filled with regrets and all these rocks are in your heart and you won't get over them. You won't, you won't trust Christ with them and you, you won't walk in the freedom of that. And so the, this, this seed, you may be right now listening going, oh man, this is good stuff. I'm gonna take some, I got this. But it's not gonna go anywhere because there's no room for it in your heart. 
Your heart is filled with so many other hard things that, that it's not going to grow. It's not going to work. And so as soon as you start getting out in the real world, somebody cuts you off on Scottsville Road, you're going to be telling their number one with the wrong finger. And that's why. It's because, this, because there's no depth to your faith. There's no root because your heart is filled with all these other rocks. Third one is some of you have a thorny heart that, that strangles out this truth. Here's the fact of the matter. Everybody in this room is rich. Most of you have multiple sets of shoes, multiple sets of clothes. You have opportunities to do things that most people in the world have no clue as to how to even begin to think categorically about the options that you're presented with today. Some of you, the hardest thing you're gonna have to figure out to do is what not to eat. The hardest thing some of you are going to have to do today is to, tr is to try to get some exercise on this beautiful Sunday day. The hardest thing for some of you is to figure out, well, how are we going to fit church in? How are we going to fit that Jesus in? Now, I know it's important, but you know, we got that boat. And, you know, we've got all these other things that are real important to us. And we've got, you know, we got to get over to see mama. You know, we got to get over here. We got to do this. You know, I got to, we got to see our friends. We got to do this. We got to do that. Here's what your life is. It's thorns. The, the gospel is there. The life is there. And as it tries to grow, you choke it out. You choke it out with all the stuff that you have because you're rich. First world problems. You're choking out the life that Christ has given you. But some of you have a healthy heart that receives and is transformed by this truth. And it, and it has everything to do, not because you're smarter, not because you're better, but because your heart is willing to receive it. And, and I'm going to say something. Nobody in this room is a victim. I know there's, we all want to make excuses. And believe me, if you don't have an excuse, call me. I've got plenty. I can share some of mine. I, I, I got them. Friends, every one of us is responsible for the, for the condition of our heart. It is your responsibility to cultivate your heart. You do that by meditating on the power and the goodness of God, by gathering for worship, to worship the goodness and, and to be in awe of the power of God, by spending time every day in the word of God, Nurturing your soul on the goodness and the power of God, refusing to allow circumstances to define what you believe, but to function off of the truth of what God has revealed. And I get it. I mean, I get it. I know that there are some of you sitting right here, you're saying, well, you don't know what, you don't know how hard my life is. You don't know how hard the things that have happened to me, that, that, that the reason why I can't grow is because I, I've got this like marble slab edifice that's hanging over me, that, that has hurt me, that has caused me to be the way I am. Friends, I, I must tell you, you're wrong. There is nothing more powerful than the gospel of God. And there's nothing that he cannot overcome if your heart is willing to receive the truth. In England, there is, uh, there's, there's a tree. It's, it's, it's recorded as one of the largest trees in all of England. It's in St. Peter's Churchyard in Hertfordshire County. And it's the gravesite of Lady Anne Grimston. Interestingly, when, when she was buried, somehow an acorn got in there. And even though they, they put this several ton marble edifice over her grave, somehow that acorn, that seed that got in there began to grow. And they noticed it after a couple of decades that this massive marble edifice began to move. 
Well, look at it now. That tree has grown through that marble and broke it in half. Friends, that is a picture of the power of the gospel. No matter how hard your thing is, no, how, no matter how big you think it is, no matter how powerful, you don't know my relationships, you don't know how hard it is, you don't know what's happened to me, you don't know what they did, what they said, you don't know what I've done, you don't, I don't know, but God knows and God is bigger. God's power is greater. Praise him. He cannot be stopped. There's, there is nothing that can stop the power of God if you have the heart that will receive the truth. It's a big if. You gotta open your heart to the gospel. And the thing that's gonna keep you from that are the lies. So many are believing lies and, and, and I get it because here's the hard thing is, is that God is allowing the darkness and the lies to grow in our world. That's the third secret. I think it's real important that you know this one. The deception is the problem. There's a deceiver and he has filled the world with lies and, and we're believing them. As a matter of fact, because we believed them, uh, the first people on this planet, we're, we're now all suffering because of those lies and our hearts are by nature uh, lying to us. Here's what Jesus explained and how Jesus explained it. Why it is evil exists. Go with me to, to verse 24 of Matthew 13. You know, this is a big question. You know, how could God allow this to happen? Why, why, why is there so much evil? Why, why, did this, why did this pain, why is this going on? Here's why. Here's the secret. Verse 24. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? By the way, these weeds are, are, are significantly, they're unique uh, to that area. They're poisonous. If you were to consume these weeds... If they got in your stomach, it would, it would bring a horrific pain and then a, a death. And so they're asking, why would you allow what would poison people? Why would you allow what would kill and cause pain and suffering to, 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 to be in your field where there's supposed to be life and goodness and benefit? So verse 28, he said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Now let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, hmm, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. We are all born with a deceived heart. And in order for us to, to not be the poison that creates the sickness of our society, we have to be transformed. And we need to understand that in our world, the kingdom of darkness is growing with the kingdom of God. The lies of the deceiver are growing along with, alongside of the truth of the gospel of the word of God. And God is allowing this. We need to remember that this is not the world God created. We study three circles all the time. We understand that, that God's design was harmony and love. But because of our sin, that's why there's brokenness and pain. 
And again, that brokenness and pain is growing because the lies and the deceit and the sin is growing. But the gospel can save. The gospel will rescue and, and we can pursue and recover God's design. We can be transformed from the inside out. But as it is, we live in a world that is filled with brokenness and pain and suffering. And I cannot tell you how many times people said, Pastor, why doesn't God just take it out? Why does he just take out the evil? And you have to understand if, if God does that today, he takes some of you out. Because your heart is evil. Your heart hasn't been changed. Now, make no mistake about it. He will one day, he will one day root out evil. That, look in verse 30. Jesus describes it as harvest time. Revelation, I put this on the screen. Revelation 2011 describes harvest time. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And I realize that is very, very painful and hard to hear, but it's the truth. And what I'm about to say right now is gonna frustrate some of you. It, it may even anger you, it, it may confuse you, and so I'm going to put it on the screen so that I say it rightly. All that is evil and all the evil people that have ever lived will be banished to hell for eternity. And among those extremely evil things and people, there will be billions of what we consider nice people banished with them. I know some of you are thinking, ha, ha. My neighbor is such a nice lady. Why would she be banished to hell? I, I, I know this guy at work. He's such a great guy. He'd give the shirt, of, he'd take his shirt off his back and give it to anybody. He's the nicest guy. Why would he be banished to hell with, with these unbelievably horrific people? Jesus explains exactly why. You need to memorize this. This is John 14, 6. Here's why. This is Jesus. Jesus said to him, say it with me if you know it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, if you've never received his life, you're dead. If you've not received the life of Christ, and that life is not alive in you, you're dead. You say, well, I'm a nice person. I get it. You are building a, a nice facade. You, you're, you, you're religious. You're a rule keeper. You're checking the boxes. 
and you're building from the outside out and you're saying to all your neighbors, I'm a nice person, I'm a safe person, I'm a good person, look what I'm building. I'm building a moral life. I'm building all these good things from the outside out. But inside, if Christ is not in your life, you're dead. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. If Christ is not alive in you, you are eternally dead. And if Christ is not alive working out his life through you, there's no reward. There's no fruit. There's no life. Someone wants to say, well, I said the sinner's prayer. I believe in God. I grew up in church. Friends, if Christ is not alive in you, the day you die, Jesus is going to say to you, depart from me, you, you worker of unrighteousness. I don't know you. If Christ is not alive in you, you do not have eternal life and you will be banished from his presence forever. Friends, these are not my rules. I'm not making this up. This is what Jesus says. And so you have to make a choice. What do you want? Do you want what your flesh wants? Do you want what you want whenever you want it? Do you want your facade? You want to look good? Do you want to look nice? And everybody, oh, such a nice person. Oh, such a good family. Oh, such a nice. Or do you want life? Do you want eternal life? Some of you right now, you look great on the outside. You've been in church a lot of, a lot of years. Friends, you're dead. And you're going to be damned. You need the life of Christ. Some of you have the life of Christ. You're not cultivating it. You're not watering it. You're not caring for it. You're not growing into Jesus. You're not beautiful. You're foul. You're inappropriate. You're a hypocrite. You're a liar. You are dirty. Repent. Repent of what you are, of what you're becoming and doing, and cultivate the beautiful life of Christ. And friends, if you have the life of Christ, this organic life in you, you know what's going to happen? It's going to produce other seeds, and there will be others who are born again because of you. Is anyone going to be in heaven because of you? If not, here's what you can know. You may have had the seed of the gospel, but the thorns choked out any life that you could have shared. You were far too concerned about the things that are passing away to ever speak the truth of God's love into the life of someone who you cared about. And that's on you. Friends, I know this is heavy. <laughs> these, are, these are big secrets. I, I get it. And I, I hope that some of you have awakened today and I hope that some of you who are awakened would be revived today. And I pray that you will pray now, some to be saved and some to be renewed. Let's all stand together and ask our care leaders to come forward. These folks are here to pray with you and talk with you. If you wanna be saved, they will show you how. If, if you need to return to Christ, if you just wanna come and pray as we're dismissed here in a moment, you're free to do that. Let's pray now. Father God, your grace is amazing. And the life that you give us in Jesus is eternal. Without that life, we, we are 
dead. We're poisoned and we are poisoned. And we will be bound and, and there will be punishment. But God, for those of us who believe, who have the heart and cultivate this life in Christ, this, this life is producing fruit. God, I pray for some today who are, they're lost, God. Their hearts are, are wrong. I pray that today would be the day of salvation. They'll come talk with one of these leaders and they will be saved. Lord, I pray for many of my brothers and sisters and, and for me that we would not have rocky hearts or, or thorny lives, but that we would repent and we would be renewed. And God, that we would be a people who are a blessing, who spread the seed of the gospel so that others can believe. Oh God, would you please bless us? That is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh.